Welcome to the Dynasty Freaks podcast with your host, Justin Christopher. For free rankings, player values, waiver wire tips, and trade advice, follow him online at dynastyfreaks.com or email dynastyfreaks at gmail.com. Hello and greetings from Austin, Texas. Welcome all of you Dynasty Freaks. Admit it, it's okay. You're addicted to Dynasty. I am too. Hey, my name's Justin Christopher and I am a Dynasty Freak. That's a freak with two E's. It's a long explanation. Anyways, I love the NFL. I watch every game every week. I love drafting, trading, scouting, managing all of my teams 365 days a year. So do you. So let's talk some Dynasty. Here we are in store for episode number 55. I feel like I should have the uh, fantasy footballers giving me the 55 drop by Sammy Hagar, right? Here we are, episode number 55. And today we're actually going to look at uh, what we've learned from preseason week one. So I actually just finished watching uh, the, all of the games from this last weekend and want to give you some lessons that I learned and how I feel like it's affecting a number of players' values. Uh, first, I'll tell you, uh, man, this has been a really fun week for me and the Dynasty Freak uh, podcast and website because I was able to get into a uh, really uh, fun opportunity to get into the Dynasty Trade Calculator League, particularly the Dynasty Diagnostic with Eton and Stumpy. Those guys are great. Just one of my favorite Dynasty podcasts and actually got to join one of their um, listener leagues, which is really just filled with a lot of really uh, tough competitors um, in a, in a uh, division with uh, Dynasty Outhouse, which has just been a blast so far. We're about four rounds into this draft, picking a, a 34-man uh, Dynasty League, which is going to be so fun. And so I'm excited. It's driven a lot of uh, interest in the site. And so I'm excited about that. Uh, we really want to see this website grow and this podcast grow. And so if you could do anything to help out by subscribing and by uh, going to iTunes or whatever you want to call it now to leave a rate and review, that would really help me a lot. Um, some things are starting to go in the positive direction here after literally we're about like right now about one year in uh, to this venture together. So I appreciate those of you who are giving a listen and following. I hope that I am your most trusted independent voice in the Dynasty community and I want you to hit me up anytime because I'd love to react with you. Can't wait to tell you about how this draft goes as it unfolds. But today we have on store just to talk about preseason week number one and lessons that were learned. So I want to give you real quick uh, 20 things that I learned by watching all these preseason games this last weekend. Hope that it helps you think about some players' uh, values, makes you more sharp for players you might want to target in trades and or people that are still in the waiver wire. So here we go. Top 20 lessons that I learned from watching all 16 of these uh, preseason games this last week. Lesson number one, I should have reached to draft Preston Williams in rookie drafts. This makes me super sad. So I had uh, Williams ranked higher than literally everyone else in the Dynasty community. I mean, I, I can't probably say everyone because I didn't go to everyone's rankings, but I've gone to everyone's rankings that I know of, and I had Preston Williams ranked higher than all of them. So I thought that nobody was high on him. And I was the only one that who thought that he was going to be great, even though he was undrafted free agent and landed in Miami. Um, he was my number 43-ranked wide receiver, so kind of targeted him in the middle of the fourth round. But I thought in all my leagues I could wait and get him in the fifth so that no, because no one else was high on him. Uh, but that is until, uh, except for the sharp manager in several of my leagues, you've heard me talk about him before, Dave Moogie, uh, he reached to draft him ahead of me in all three of the leagues that we're in together, which is so infuriating. Um, I wish I was the one that reached for him because watching him in this first preseason game, he was just a monster. He was like a man among boys, and you can just tell, like, this is it. This guy has got it all. A side note, this is pretty funny. I actually texted uh, Moogie and said, like, dude, 
Like, I can't believe that you beat me to Preston Williams. Like, I've got one more uh, rookie draft, and I am going to reach, like, two rounds to try to get him if I have to. Uh, here's the sad part for me, though, is the the cat's out of the bag now, where I thought I could sleep on him now in my one league that I haven't drafted yet because we always draft Labor Day weekend. It's my freak league, thus the spelling of freak with two E's. All my college friends get together. It's about our 27th year, I think, together in this league. And so we'll get together and do that draft in person over Labor Day. But the cat's out of the bag. I don't think I'm going to get him. But get this, uh, just a side note, have you all ever heard of Cameo? Like Cameo is this new kind of app where you can, like celebrities can price out like what they will, you can pay them a certain amount of money for them to actually get on the phone and video themselves and send you a video of themselves giving a quote Cameo. And so today uh, Dave Moogie cracked me up because he actually paid for Preston Williams to post a video making fun of me for not drafting him ahead of him. And so today I get a video by Preston Williams uh, mocking me for not drafting him and complimenting Dave for believing in him and drafting him ahead of me. Well done, Moogie. You got me. That's my number one lesson. I should have drafted Preston Williams way further up in my rookie drafts. Second lesson that I learned is that James Washington is way better than Dante Moncrief. So the training camp buzz, of course, was that Moncrief had secured the number two job, uh, opposite Juju, of course. Um, Well, that may well be for now, uh, given that Juju and Moncrief saw no action in the first preseason game. So it kind of showed there that they actually were the number one and two on the depth chart. They were protecting them from playing. But what Washington did is he took advantage of his time on the field. I'm starting to wonder if with Washington that he's maybe just not a great practice player, but like when the lights come on, he really can play well. And Washington was just awesome on Friday night. I think that he'll surely beat out Moncrief for the wide receiver two job in Pittsburgh. Um, Maybe it's just going to take a couple games into the season before he really shows that he can do it. Um, I think they have all the reason to believe in him since they drafted him rather than picking uh, Moncrief up in free agency. Uh, James Washington was awesome on Friday night, so I believe in him to beat out Moncrief even though things point to the contrary. Third thing, this is a little bit of a joke, but I'll say uh, third thing is Nick Chubb can catch. (laughs) Nick Chubb can catch. So Cleveland did something unique when they came out uh, with their first team, just only had one drive, right, the first drive. But they came out pretending that they were in the two-minute drill, even though it was the first drive of the game. And Chubb started the drive, and he had one really nifty kind of screen pass catch. Sure, it's just one catch, and then Hilliard, their kind of uh, backup now that they traded uh, Duke Johnson away, he came in for the rest of the series and actually did really well, particularly in the passing game. He did well. He got several balls. But still, um, I just feel like the, the willingness that they had to trade, trade Duke Johnson shows to me that they, they believe that Chubb can manage himself with, with passes. Um, Chubb can be involved in the passing game. I, I do believe that Hilliard, based on just a few things we saw in the first preseason game, he actually might be the guy that they use in the two-minute drill. But they brought Chubb out there first just to, to show that he could function in, in it as well. And he caught a screen pass and did well. I just believe that this year, you know, con- contrary to last year, that he's going to catch probably 35, maybe upwards of 50 balls because they're going to use him in the screen game, even if it's early in the downs. He might not be the two-minute drill, which is very valuable to be that kind of a back. But a lot of our high-end running backs aren't in the two-minute drill. And so I believe that Chubb, has just, his, his stock continues to rise. You guys know that I was high on him as a rookie and have him in many of my leagues because I believe in him so much. I think his value just rose because of the Duke Johnson trade. And the fact that he caught, yes, one ball in a preseason game. The fact is that he can catch. He just hasn't been asked to do so, and this year he will be asked to do so. 
Number four thing that I learned uh, from watching preseason is that Miami will be a split backfield, even though Drake, in my opinion, is better than than, uh, (laughs) Ballage. It seems clear to me that Drake and Ballage will uh, both be used equally, almost equally, but perhaps in different ways. To me, it just looks like Drake can lead the backfield, like he's going to be in there to start. Um, and I believe that he actually has uh, the better like opportunity to, for explosive plays. The problem is that's what gets him in problems. I mean, like he, he often dances in the backfield while looking for a big play, whereas Balaj, he can make big plays too, but he's a little bit more of a thumper. Yeah, I think that means that he's going to be trusted more in short yardage. You saw that a little bit in this first game where he came in to get goal line carries. Um, I think this backfield is going to be a mess and that no one that they've kind of eliminated themselves from having any possibility of being a, a running back number one. Like these guys can't finish in the top 12 based on the way that they're going to split things. Uh, but more likely than not, I think that there's going to be a lot of weeks where either of them could be uh, the running back number two value. You're just going to have to try to guess on the right week. The good news is uh, if you're looking at Drake, who I believe in a little bit more, I feel like Miami's going to be down a lot. And I think when they're going to be down, Drake's going to be the one in the backfield. And so I, I give Drake a little bit of an edge and still like his opportunity to, um, you know, do well. It's like a running back two there in Miami, even though it's going to be a pretty split backfield. Similarly, I mean, I'm, similarly, my number five is that Denver will be a split backfield with both Lindsey and Foreman providing value. Um, I feel like Lindsey and Freeman both look great in this game. I mean, it was just kind of one, one or two series there, but they looked really good. And I just think that uh, – Lindsay should be valued just a hair higher just because of his use in the passing game, especially after the injury to Theo Riddick. When Theo Riddick got there, it was kind of like, oh, no, maybe he's going to become passing downs back, and Lindsay and Freeman are just going to split the path, the running downs. But now that Lindsay got or Riddick got hurt, uh, I just feel like this is going to be pretty close, like as close as we can get. Uh, Freeman, I think, is going to be a better goal line uh, back where Lindsey might be involved a little bit more in the passing game, but I'm also convinced that Freeman's going to be involved in the passing game. They're not going to do like a, just a giveaway this year. They're not going to do something where you know when someone so's in the game that this is going to happen. I think that both of them are going to be involved on an equal level, doing the similar things, even though they like look very different in the way that they run. Uh, I think they're both going to be valued. In fact, I've got them so equally compared right now. This is not me hedging my bets. This is just really what I believe. I've got Lindsey ranked number 26 and Freeman ranked number 27. Sixth thing that I learned from the preseason games is that I should have picked up Jacoby Myers last week, but now it's too late, right? Oh, man, I heard all the trading camp blurbs, uh, but I couldn't bring myself to believe it, especially since I didn't even have him ranked in my rookie rankings, which runs like 75 players deep. So I went 75 players, and Jacoby Myers was not on my list. So sadly, in my case, others in my leagues bought into the hype, and they bought Jacoby before I could. And so I missed out on all my Jacoby Myers. Uh, he really looked awesome in game one. He was a major focus of their offense. Like he was targeted eight times and grabbed six passes, had two touchdowns. And I think this is just, I think he's not only going to make the team, but I think he could actually be a starter in week number one. Truly. Like I think he could be a starter in week number one. Um, especially with Nikhil Harry having some of these injuries. He had a couple good plays in the preseason game too. But just the consistency and the type of offense that New England runs those were the type of plays just kind of underneath and quick plays that Myers was making. And New England doesn't really care where you drafted, where they drafted you. They're kind of like Seattle from that front that they'll just play the best player and whoever buys into their system and does it well. And Jacoby's proven that he can do that. Sadly, I've missed out on him. I hope that you haven't. If your league's asleep, <laughs> go get Jacoby Myers right now. 
not saying it's going to be an every week starter for you in your in your leagues, but he's just a perfect guy to have on the bench and see what happens. So keep him at the back of your roster. Seventh thing I learned, this short one here, but the Kyler Murray will be fine. Uh, he only played one series, but it sure was fun to watch. Like he was just hyper accurate. Uh, didn't seem to overwhelmed by the moment. Certainly the plays were probably really vanilla. I'm not sure like to what degree. You know, Arizona's kind of caught in a, in a difficult spot where they've got to like show, they've got to practice what they're trying to, to accomplish, but they don't want to show anyone really what they're trying to accomplish. So it's kind of this dance of knowing whether they're just kind of be, being vanilla or whether they're really going to show a few of their little tricks that they're going to use in the Kingsbury offense. But I feel like uh, Kyler Murray just showed himself like really confident and super accurate with his passes. So I left just thinking, okay, I don't think this guy's going to be a bust. I think, uh, you know, as long as as he's in the Kingsbury offense, I think he's got a great chance to be good, and my value for him is going to rise just a little bit. Number eight, I said the Chargers will be fine with Eckler or Jackson um, if Gordon does not return. Who knows what's going to happen with Gordon's holdout, but Eckler looked awesome. Like, he looked really, really awesome. Sure, he had the fumble. He had a fumble at the one-yard line. Um, but but just watching him play showed no real concerns. So I do always have concerns with Eckler, honestly, about his ability to stay healthy if he's used too much. But I feel like if, if he and Jackson, like, mix it up, if Gordon doesn't come back and, and, and they're really careful with Eckler just to really keep it a good 50-50-ish split or maybe 60-40, um, this could be really good for both of them. Eckler definitely has some more explosive uh, big play ability. But Jackson, kind of like we said with Lindsey and uh, Freeman, Jackson's the much more uh, tougher and trustworthy short yardage back. Had a touchdown, uh, ran it in from the from the goal line. So Eckler, I think, will certainly have more receptions and yards this year. But Jackson, I think, will actually have more touchdowns. All of this given if Gordon is, is out. If Gordon comes back, of course, both of their values drop significantly. But So I feel like Jackson is far more sturdy. And he had like one of the heaviest workloads ever in his college career at Northwestern. So if Eckler gets hurt, I think Jackson's going to be like an RB1. Like I would think he'd be a top 12 running back the rest of the way out. But without an injury, um, I think Eckler's going to be getting more of the touches, which I don't think he can be an RB1 even if Gordon is out. I think he could be an RB2 in the case of Jackson would be an RB3 if they both stay healthy. Chargers still look good with both of those guys. Number nine, uh, DK Metcalf. I think that he will get targets. So he only had one catch in the game, but you could see early on that they were really trying to use him. Seattle intended several targets to him. You could tell they were trying to get him acclimated to the game and get him the ball. Um, I think that he's going to excel on go routes and curl routes and quick outs. Like that's where his he, that's where he's going to make his money. He's going to fly. He's going to start to fly and cut back on an out, or he's going to start to fly and cut back on a curl. Um, I have no idea what you know uh, what they want to do with him. Yeah, even if he's limited to those simple routes, but I feel like they know what they want to do. It's just going to be those simple things, but they're going to give him every opportunity to pass or fail, and I just believe that he's going to pass. He looked pretty good, uh, even though he just had one catch. You could tell they were trying to get him involved. DK Metcalf, I think, is going to be fine with his limited route tree. Number 10, maybe the most controversial one I'll say here is that Zay Jones is the wide receiver one in Buffalo. Uh, Josh Allen has eyes for Jay, Zay Jones. That's what I took away from this game. John Brown will be fine, but I believe that Zone that, that Jones should be drafted ahead of Brown. Uh, this summer, I actually listened to an interview with Josh Allen. It was really in depth, and I heard uh, that you could just tell that there was like a real connection that he had with Zay Jones. 
Um, in this first preseason game, when the first-teamers were in there, he was targeted more often and more quickly in the, this first uh, series that they had together. And I believe that's going to happen all season. It may sound crazy, but I believe that Zay Jones will be this year's Tyler Boyd, this third-year breakout that, that can happen, just like Tyler Boyd happened last year. A couple years of struggling, and the third year finally shows something. I think that's going to happen with Zay Jones, given that you also have to have uh, uh, Allen improve in his accuracy and his ability as a passer, which is, of course, the, the knock on, Z- on Jones for sure. But I think Zay, Zay Jones is a wide receiver number one in Buffalo. Number 11, um, I, I felt like watching this uh, Indianapolis game that Naheem Hines is, the only, uh, is only a passing downs back. I felt like the, the, the Colts you know, ran Hines out there to be their starter, and he just didn't look the part. Um, I believe that he's best suited to continue as a passing downs back, and that's it in Indianapolis. And all the moves that Indianapolis made this offseason show that they're searching for a true backup to Marlon Mack. You know, they picked up Spencer Ware, of course, who they later had to cut. They picked up Jonathan Williams. And now, of course, they picked up Dante Freeman. I mean, Dante Foreman, rather. And so uh, I just feel like uh, if they've all the signs have pointed to them not believing that he could be their uh, – that they need someone behind Marlon Mack that's actually going to be kind of running downs back because Hines doesn't have it. Hines will, I think then, as a result, for our dynasty perspective, Hines has great value in PPR leagues, uh, but that's the limit of his dynasty impact. Like, he's not going to be a value in non-PPR leagues because he's just a passing downs back. Number 12, I learned that Devin Singletary is better than I thought. I admit when I'm wrong. Um, so far anyway. <laughs> uh, I was a lot lower on Singletary uh, than a lot of the other ana- analysts. Um, I had him ranked as my number 29 running back, um, or number 29 overall uh, draft pick in, uh, in this last year's rookie drafts. And when he landed in Buffalo, I thought, man, that's just a crowded with all the stuff that they were doing there. Um, in addition to not being super sold on his talent, um, even though he had incredible play in college, just not sure that he played against the toughest competition. Um, but I have to admit that he looked pretty good. He was the same a real shifty kind of runner between the tackles that, he, that you saw in his college film, and he involved himself pretty early in the passing game. So what I think is maybe Buffalo is starting to give him a little bit more time in the preseason they're doing their other backs to see if possibly they could cut one of their other many running backs, Sean McCoy, Frank Gore, um, maybe among those, maybe even T.J. Yeldon as well. So I wouldn't be surprised if they do cut someone. And so they're giving Singletary every chance to prove something in the offseason. I'm going to definitely move Singletary up a little bit higher in my rankings. Thirteenth thing that I learned, um, Buffalo's defense is underrated. This is kind of a random one uh, here, but uh, last year I picked up Buffalo at the end of the season in several leagues because I just think that they have so much defensive talent and they have a great defensive-minded coach in Sean McDermott. They were all over Indianapolis in this preseason game, number one. Now, you know, no one schemes to particular plans, but just athletically, you could tell that their players were just all over the place. So I just mentioned it here because I think that uh, Buffalo's defense, particularly in your leagues that are maybe a little less, less active, is probably on the waiver wire. And so if they are, I think you need to go get them because Buffalo is very trustworthy as a defense. Number 14 thing that I learned was that uh, Mason Rudolph, Teddy Bridgewater, and Garrett Gilbert are worth holding in super flex leagues. So if you're in a deep super flex leagues, I think these guys are worth picking up, particularly if you're in a deep league, of course. Uh, they all looked really comfortable in their offenses and played great. And, you know, Rudolph and Bridgewater have QBs that are in front of them that are nearing retirement. Um, so you've got, 
you know, uh, who knows what Roethlisberger's thinking year to year. We know uh, Drew Brees is not long for this league. So, man, if Rudolph and Bridgewater can continue to develop, they might be great guys to hold, particularly in a dynasty league, or a super flex league, rather. Whereas Gilbert, Garrett Gilbert, it's a little bit different situation because uh, he's certainly not going to – he's not behind a quarterback that's about to retire in Mayfield, right? Definitely not. But the way that they're running this offense suits itself to the way that Gilbert uh, played in college. I should say SMU college because he played poorly at the University of Texas, where I'm from. <laughs> but uh, really revived his career and has continued to hang on and play in other leagues and keep, uh, keep in the NFL because he's got enough skill to be a good backup quarterback. And so I don't think I would roster him in a two-quarterback league or super flex league unless I had Mayfield. If I had Mayfield, I'd consider grabbing Gilbert and just keeping him as one of my back-end, very, very back-end bench guys in case Mayfield were to get hurt. Fifteenth thing that I learned, and this one makes me super sad, is a Kansas City backfield will be an RBBC, running back by committee, RBBC. This pains me to say, given that I have so many shares of Damian Williams and Carlos Hyde, but no shares of Darwin Thompson, keeps getting sniped in front of me in all of my drafts, which makes me so mad. Um, Darwin has already proved himself uh, in this first preseason game to be a near equal and then certainly younger competitor. So in this, this time, Andy Reid has completely changed what he said earlier. He confirmed that they intend to be a running back by committee, calling Williams the clear starter the last few months, and now they're saying, hey, no, we're going to be uh, an RBBC. So this backfield is going to be a mess. And unless there's an injury... Or unless Darwin can, like, blow these guys out of the water in the preseason. So he's got a few more weeks to, like, really show that he should be ahead of both Hyde um, and Williams. Man, this is going to be kind of a mess, and I'm kind of sad that I have my Williams shares right now. But that's what I believe starting to happen. Number 16 uh, is that Green Bay's wide receivers that get cut will still hold their dynasty value. This is pretty wild. So they've got, like, such a crazy wide receiver uh, group right now. Uh, so Alan Lazard, Darius Shepard, Jake Kumaro, Jamon Moore, and Equinemius St. Brown, they, they may all be behind Adams and Valdez, Scantling, and Allison. So we think that they're definitely locked in. But uh, the fact was that neither of them dominated week one. Neither of these guys did. But they all showed some sort of special skills, um, even if St. Brown's was just recovering a fumble for a touchdown on special teams, which course when he came into the league he said he wasn't going to play special teams and was pretty arrogant about it but hey he made a play on special teams but Shepard caught a touchdown he's like a super deep sleeper but caught a touchdown for Green Bay Alan Lazard was a you know guy that bounced around last year that had some dynasty hope to him uh, now he's at Green Bay and he caught a touchdown Kumro had a couple good catches over the middle well uh, Jamon Moore had a touchdown so it's it's just crazy like all these guys so my prediction is that Kumaro will actually stay in Green Bay behind Adams and Valdez Skintling and Allison for sure. But I think the two of the three other guys are either going to be cut or somehow maintained or held on a practice squad. And so I'm just saying for, for all of us out there that have deeper leagues, like keep an eye on these guys. Put them on your watch list and note because these guys all have great talent. And if they were to get on another team, it could be possible that they could become something. So very, very back into the roster type of guys, but keep an eye on all the guys that won't make Green Bay's team because they have a crazy deep wide receiver crew. Number 17, um, I learned that Atlanta's running back two race is a mess. So if you follow me very long, you know that I'm very low on Devonta Freeman. I used to love him. Like I had him owned in several leagues. Like he was one of my favorite players. But last year I started selling him off and I sold off all of my stock of him last season. 
just fearing these like in the stage right now he's just going to be continually injured he runs super violently and i just feel like he's just one of those guys that's going to keep getting injured and as a result i've been investing a lot in cadre allison this last off season um, because i don't believe in ito smith either well now it gets more complicated because brian hill has entered the fray and he's really established himself as a possible top backup so this backfield is just a mess for those of us who are holding, hoping uh, to hold the backup and capitalize on an injury to Freeman or maybe even just trying to hold on to someone to handcuff Freeman. I just think it's got a little bit too messy. They've all looked good. They look good so far in the preseason games. Their offense is going to be great this year. I just don't know which of them looks to be the best right now, so I don't know who's going to be the RB2 in Atlanta. Right now I'd bet on Brian Hill, who, which was not the guy that I was betting on earlier in the offseason. Number 18 thing I learned is that Tannehill is better than Mariota. Poor uh, Mariota. Uh, his value has fallen uh, so far over the last two years. Tannehill's uh, great play, granted it was against the number two defense in a preseason game, so it's not definitive, but it should raise some questions. And there was already reason to ra- raise questions already because why else did Tennessee go out and sign Tannehill in free agency? Um, if you were in a two-quarterback league, I would definitely buy Tannehill because he could be a starter uh, sometime here near, um, gosh, maybe maybe the start of the season or near the middle of the season, especially given the play, let alone that Mariota gets injured so often. Two more here. Number 19 thing is that I will admit I was wrong on Jalen Hurd. Kyle Shanahan is just hilarious. He likes to trade up and get guys that he wants to like, like he did with Dante Pettis and Debo Samuel the last two years. He'll also reach like crazy for, quote, his guys like he did with Joe Williams a year ago and like he did with Jalen Hurd this last year. And I usually buy into Shanahan's intuition, like I believe in him. But this time I just didn't. I, I just thought that this, there's no place for this guy on his team. Well, I may have been wrong because Hurd played a ton of snaps in the game against Dallas in the preseason, scored two touchdowns on his three catches, let alone or add to that the fact that Trent Taylor was injured. So Hurd is, is going to have every opportunity to be, you know, kind of a multifaceted player and be kind of a gadget guy that Shanahan wants to use. He's also kind of downplayed Pettis this week, much to uh, much to my chagrin because I have Pettis in a couple leagues and I'm super high on him compared to others. Um, but we're going to see what's going to happen here pretty early here in the San Francisco wide receiving core. And, man, Jalen Hurd has proved me wrong. I'm not afraid to admit when I'm wrong. Number 20, uh, Rashard Higgins is the wide receiver number three in Cleveland. This is something else I was also wrong on because I was wrong on Antonio Callaway. I held him a lot this offseason and hoped that he could be a great wide receiver three in an up-and-coming Cleveland offense that had opportunity to give you know, a wide receiver three some, uh, some good fantasy value. But Higgins had reportedly been pay- playing better throughout training camp, and uh, he certainly played better in the preseason game. I was a lot higher on Callaway compared to most also because not just the opportunity, but because of the fact that OBJ, unlike Jarvis Landry, is often injured. And so for the same reason now, I want to favor Higgins more than Callaway. And then add to that the fact that Callaway got a four-game suspension, which has made, him even, made it even more clear. Callaway is likely going to be on my cut list on several of my dynasty rosters when we got to cut back, when we got to cut back some five and one of my league's ten players, we have to cut back. Uh, I think he's going to be one of the guys that I have to cut on some of my deeper rosters because I think Higgins has proven himself to have won the wide receiver three position there in Cleveland. All right. 
So those are my 20 things that I learned from the preseason. I watch all the games so that you don't have to. I hope this has helped you as you hear my advice. I hope that I can continue to prove myself to be the most trustworthy, uh, independent dynasty voice for you. Hit me up anytime at dynastyfreaks. That's freaks with two E's at gmail.com. You can do Longhorn Justin at Twitter, but I am much better at email, so just emailing dynastyfreaks at gmail.com. Would love to talk with you, help you think about your teams, evaluate your teams, really. Um, That's what I'm here for. I appreciate you listening, and you know what to do until next time. You got to go out there. Get freaky. Thanks for listening to the Dynasty Freaks podcast with your host, Justin Christopher. We welcome your thoughts and advice. Let us know what you'd like to hear on the podcast or see on the website to help you dominate your league. Justin prides himself in responding to every email, so hit him up anytime at dynastyfreaks at gmail.com and follow him on Twitter at LonghornJustin. Justin.